Star jump sequence terminates, Captain. Get the gravitational dampers online and open the blast aye, shield. Aye, sir. Bring us in closer. Aye, aye, sir. Moving us in on sublight drive. Extreme magnification. Aye, sir. The center of the galaxy. And there's our black hole. The experience of a lifetime, Captain. Let me put this on audio. We should be able to hear the magnetic resonance field. This is it, ladies and gentlemen. The edge of time and space where the impossible can happen. Welcome to the event horizon. Good morning, or afternoon, or evening, whatever is relevant for the part of the world you are in. Indeed, welcome to the Event Horizon, where the impossible happens. Join us each week at this time as we delve into science fiction, fantasy, and science fact in all their forms. I'm Gene Turnbow, your host, and with me is my co-host, Susan Fox. Science! And you're listening to episode (laughs) 77 of Krypton Radio's flagship radio program, The Event Horizon, and we're very pleased to have with us Larry Nemechek and Johnny Steverson. Welcome to the show, guys. Oh, thank you for having us. This is great. <laughs> thank now, you for yes, being here. Thank you. <laughs> now, if you don't know who Larry is, he's, he's one of the most uh, prolific and well-known experts on Star Trek in the known world. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that sounds Larry, like I written... spend all my day sitting around filling out trivia contests. It, I... No, you, you spend <laughs> it writing them. Writing the trivia contests. Yes. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. No, seriously, though, you've written books. You've uh, uh, you've done the lecture circuit at conventions. Uh, you have uh, one of the most popular Star Trek websites, uh, apart from StarTrek.com itself. Have you written specific books that, uh, that our listeners would know? Well, if... There was a little show called The Next Generation, and I was very, I was very uh, privileged to be able to write the next gener- the official Next Generation companion episode guidebook from Pocket Books that sold a ton of copies back when Next Generation was very, very hot, and, mm-hmm. and for years after the blue, red, and black cover editions. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I edited Communicator magazine for years and years, and I worked on the Fact Files magazine overseas, which turned into this the Star Trek Techie magazine here, the thick one. And we just did Stellar Cartography, which was a map and book set last year, which was kind of a comeback for cool, you know, uh, nonfiction type books. But uh, I worked on, I did a lot of consulting through licensing at, at Paramount, you know, now CBS at the uh, Star Trek Experience and a mm-hmm. lot of the world tours, those kinds of things, as well as the show. We we got to, my wife worked on Voyager five years in the script office, and we we were pitching shows and sold a story that became the episode Prophecy on Voyager. So. We, we were in Okie natives that moved out to L.A. 20 years ago and um, right in the middle of the boom when I was working on my first book and and just very – just uh, really, um, you know, privileged to be able to jump in and, and work on all kinds of things like that. And, you know, like you said, do conventions here and around the world and, uh, it, you know, just kind of find the creative bent to um, – that, that Star Trek inspires people and in, in ways to fill that – you know, do that itch, and, you really and which can't is now get my, any now my to... website and video chats. Uh-huh. And 
interviews and things. And you can't really get closer to we- to Star Trek than than uh, than Larry Nemechek. It looks like. <laughs> well, you probably so, could. Well, if your name was Sir Patrick Stewart or something. Oh yeah. Shatter, but yeah. Let me check my ID. No. Nope. <laughs> Johnny Steverson, tell us about yourself and uh, and how you became involved in the world of Star Trek. You know, Star Trek was really one of those things that just inspired my life. It it pushed me into the technical career that I am in today, and then you know that's that's really how I came across Enterprise in Space. Um, was through my drive of Star Trek, being in the technical field, helping the Hollywood Science Fiction Museum, and come across Enterprise in Space, and I was like, wow, this sounds like a fantastic project. And then taking a look at it, um, you know, it, 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 Enterprise in Space being a tribute to the visionaries of science and science fiction and, and everything that Star Trek stands for, I, I just wanted to jump on board and be part of it and dedicate all I could of my resources to Enterprise in Space. Because um, I think a lot of us here have been inspired by Star Trek. And what is it that you do for uh, uh, for, your, for your day job? So when I'm not playing um, Chief Development Officer for Enterprise in Space or IT, <laughs> IT guru guy and, and, and developing the IT platform, um, my day job consists of web tech promotions. Um, I own a successful web development and PR firm here in Houston, Texas, close to NASA. Um, uh-huh. And you know, be, being close to NASA here in Houston, Texas, I was I was a space kid. I was at the space camps, um, mm. always dreaming about Star Trek and flying in space. Um, and so, being part of Enterprise in Space was just really aligned with my beliefs, my efforts, and. Shoot, who wouldn't want their name flown in space? Who wouldn't want to be part of <laughs> yeah. something like Enterprise in Space? Because um, we get to help students. You know, there's the cool factor, but it's it's not just a stunt. And that's what really attracted me about Enterprise in Space I, is that I, it wasn't I, just a stunt. I was going to say, Johnny, maybe we should tell everybody what Enterprise in Space is. That's where I was going to go next. <laughs> I mean, we've uh, we've the, we've brought up the subject a few times. Yes, indeed, they are here to talk about Enterprise in Space. We've never had a ship named Enterprise in space. Yeah, right. We've had we've right. had them in near space. We've but had it's not the, the gliding, thing. non non powered uh, space space shuttle. shuttle, and I yeah. was there for the rollout. Oh, I've just revealed my age. <laughs> well, that's cool. I would have loved to have been there for that. Yeah. But uh, never got closer than than the you know the the you know lower atmosphere really, right? So you're going to shoot an Enterprise out well, in that's, space? Yeah, our our founder. Uh, that, that, that there's so many levels to this and so many moving parts that it's 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 hard to like say it all in thirty seconds. But one of the one of our taglines we use is science fiction to science fact, which is exciting, but that doesn't tell you a whole lot. Uh-huh. So the is your cell is, phone. Yeah, well, we've got cell phones and iPads and all that, but yeah. you know those aren't exploring planets and those are those are cool techie things. But um, and then the other thing is what you said, which was as in a time there was really an enterprise in space, and not like oh let's build a scale model and stick it in orbit, but everything that people you know embody the fictional enterprises all the way back to the sailing ships and the aircraft carriers and, and not that they were exploratory ships, but they were heroic vessels. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and 
and, and which carries on through the shuttle, which carries on through, you know, uh, uh, Veranson's Virgin Galactic, wanting to name one of their space, uh, space uh, tourism rockets enterprise. Um, it's just, it's just kind of a coming together of our, our founder, Sean, was a fan watching Star Trek one night and thought, gee, wouldn't it be great if there was really a, a craft named Enterprise now in space? Well, that would be just cool. But not wanting it to just be a stunt plane, like Johnny was saying, or a stunt craft, really have it be working. And so over you know, three or four years ago when this got started, and bef- long before I got involved with it, um, he evolved to people that he reached out to, people who heard about the idea and came aboard, people with <laughs> rocket science and program manager and engineering and education experience, uh, national leaders – who all said, yes, let's have this stand for something. And since, you know, forward-looking sci-fi is about the future, what better way to embody the future than to put our brightest young minds and give them a platform? So the core thing that this enterprise will will take into orbit is uh, award-winning experiments from across the board, young minds, uh, grade school to grad school. And it will also test out some um, technologies and materials for aerospace and some other companies too. Now how large a craft is enterprise expected to be? I mean this is not a this is not something that will carry This is unmanned, correct? Right, it's unmanned. An right, unmanned right, right. vehicle. Yeah, that would be almost backbreaking to do a manned <laughs> vehicle. But uh it'll be or, or uh, you know, I, I want to get Johnny in here a little bit too, but it, it would basically be eight feet is the planning and the budget right now. Mm-hmm. Big enough to hold a hundred around a hundred uh you know different size, some larger, some smaller um, Correct. We'll have hundred plus, yeah, hundred mm-hmm. plus student experiments, and some will be internal, some will be external, <laughs> some will require power, some will not. Um, so you know, they're definitely, you know, it'll be. Yeah, he was correct. It'll be about eight foot mm-hmm. and jam packed. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's the kind of thing that even as it's gone along, people have gone. Yes, this is a great idea. This is a cool idea, and. And we're continuing to attract that kind of, you know, that kind of interest. We just had a couple of weeks ago uh, an associate, one of our team people, one of our program managers, um, uh, Alex, uh, project managers, Alex Hoffman, who has a startup company called uh, eMind, which was short for Enterprise Mind, but totally, totally conceived before he ever heard of us. Basically, cognitive computing or cognitive artificial intelligence, which is not just like a Siri you know, on your phone, mm-hmm. but actually a learning computer with a vocal interface, text in the first phase is vocal later on, so that it's almost like the enterprise computer where you talk and it's and it's a smart one that accesses a database and puts it together and and uh you know, hopefully not on the how level mm-hmm. or the <laughs> you know but certainly like but the, the enterprise computer. Yeah, yeah, but that's it. That's it. Exactly like that. But there's all there's so many different levels and layers to this project that's kind of even gone beyond what you know the the initial uh, conception was. And one of the happy quirks of this is we find out that there are all kinds of uh, grad students and startup companies and even existing companies that want to test. They want to contract contract with the government or with private industry. They've got uh, you know out of the box. Technologies, materials, whatever, but they don't have a demo. It's like it's like the Catch Twenty Two of you can't sell it until you displayed it, and you can't display it till you sell it. And what we figured out is one of the cool things about enterprise and space is we we can offer some of these people a test bed, 
to to show off their project, their technology, their material, whatever it is, and you know, in kind of a demo state, and then and then they've got it to point to, and and then go out and sell it on the you know contract so they can uh, to a build a, a proof of concept device, exactly. And s- send exactly. it up yeah, into uh, send it up into orbit and say, see, it can withstand this. It, see, it can it can actually gather useful data in this environment. Now, how does this differ from similar programs? You know, there's there's packages they send to the ISS. You know, that's a great question. Um, one thing that really sets Enterprise and Space apart from other projects that take experiments up like that is that the students are not going to have to pay to send their experiments up with Enterprise and Space. Um, and that's one thing we wanted to do to make it equal for every, you know, for, for people that are, for the students that are not so wealthy from the wealthy to the wealthy students. We wanted to make it even, an even field for everyone. Really kind of, you know, caressing the vision that Gene Roddenberry had with everyone is the same. There's the equality. So we wanted to bring that into enterprise and space most definitely. So that was a great question. Yeah, I was. I was. That's one of the things that appealed to me after I heard about it. I was shocked that these these uh, you know kids and students and grad students they win these contests to put their experiments on on the space shuttle when it was flying, which Lynn Zelinsky, our education chief, she's overseen students' mm-hmm. experiments on the shuttle in suborbital mm-hmm. flights. But all the, they win these contests or they win these competitions, and then it's like congratulations, you won. Now pony up five or ten thousand or fifteen thousand. You Yikes. know, I was like, really? Like, really? what? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah school minute. systems like, can't. How, it, how do you win and then pay? Well, you win the right amongst the right thousands. Yeah. I guess so. Yeah. Because they don't have room for a lot it's of It's like those. being accepted to a really good college that now you have to turn around and pay the tuition. Well, I, I don't, you know. and, and people do. But how are you paying for this? I'm, I'm, I already know the answer to the question. I'm just, <laughs> <it's>, just asking. <laughs> Well, that's one. Th- I'll, I want to get Johnny into, but th- that's one thing that appealed to me too. It's obviously it's a it's a people that are used to thinking about Kickstarters and Indiegogos and fan films and you know graphic novel projects. This is a real space mission, even though a lot of it is is not groundbreaking technology. Some of the testing of it, it's flying experiments and and then testing out. It's it's going to be uh, recoverable. It's going to be a reentry vehicle, so it won't just be up there as space junk and burn up eventually. Uh, which is part of the coolness of it. It's currently budgeted at forty million, which might come down a little. That's like sixteen million for the SpaceX is our intention booster. We've talked to them. SpaceWorks to fabricate the the uh, orbiter, and the rest for a huge education outreach. All the costs of running it, uh, you know, rewarding the, um, uh, the 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 contest winners and all the different parts of it beyond that. But that sounds like, as, as Sean says, that sounds like you know uh, you've got to, somebody's got to pull forty million out of their back pocket. And in his original concept for this, one of the other appealing things to me was, yes, we're going after nonprofits and grants and awards and in-kind donations from some of the from the big boys, <laughs> individuals and also companies. But he basically said, you know, if you really want to have you know put the C in crowdfunding, one million people give twenty dollars a piece. We're there. Two million people, we've got the whole thing. We don't need anybody else. Two million people give 20 bucks. And well, 20 bucks is the cost of a movie, you know? That's true. And we've, we've kicked in our, our 20 bucks. So Krypton Radio is going into space, guys. 
Oh, thank you. Yes. I did, yeesh, that's the last thing I wanted to overlap on. Thank you, guys. Yeah. That's great. Yes, I just noticed that. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. For those of you who are just joining us, uh, we are talking to Larry Nemechek and Johnny Steverson about the Enterprise in Space project. When you go to enterpriseinspace.org and contribute your $20 to be a virtual crew member or $40 for a National Space Society membership and virtual crew member status. So what do you get? What do you get? Yeah, so that's great. That goes back to your original question. Um, so when you go to enterpriseinspace.org, when you donate to the project, what you get, um, we have different levels of involvement. So for the $20 level, you will get um, your Enterprise in Space membership. You'll get your name flown in space and become a virtual crew member, which Larry will kind of explain here um, in depth in a moment. Um, and for the $40 level, you get a joint membership with Enterprise in Space um, and also become a member of the National Space Society and you get a mem um, um, membership to add Astra Magazine. Yeah. I mean, Johnny was talking about levels, but what really attracted me to this is it's so simple. This is not a Kickstarter or an Indiegogo. And it's, hurry, everybody, we've got 10 days and five days and we're at 90% of our goal. It's just, a, you know, it's worldwide. Mm -hmm. All the aspects, the science competition is worldwide. The crowdfunding is worldwide. The design orbiter contest, which we have not even talked about yet, which is happening right now, is worldwide. So we're, you know, we're talking to all our friends in fandom and in, in, the, in the science world. And everybody just thinks, um, you know, Earth ought to be represented the way it is in, in, you know, Star Trek and Gene Roddenberry's future and all the best futures that people are inspired of, inspired by. I think we're That's probably... good because I'm ready to, like, give back this 21st century. It's defective. <laughs> well, I think we we're done with. Uh, I think we're yeah. done with the post-apocalyptic vision yeah. of uh, vision of the future. We're living in it now. It's time to move on. <laughs> I think so. Well, that's that's a. It's all those people. You know, the the actors and the writers and all on the different shows and movies, especially for Star Trek, talk about how you know there's always been this mutual love affair between NASA and Star Trek, and the starting with. You know, Leonard Nimoy and D. Kelly and Jimmy Doohan, where they talk about how many people over the years came up and said, I'm a scientist because of you and Spock, or I'm a doctor because of you and McCoy, or I went into engineering and technology because of you and Scotty, or all the casts after that. And, and that's great. And those are, there's thousands and hundreds of that. And everybody on our team has a story kind of like that, <laughs> you know, but there are all the, all the, you know, everybody else. Um, there are doctors and lawyers and uh, janitors and school teachers and everybody else who um, loves science fiction, loves the thought of living in the future, wants to make it happen, and wishes they could go into space. And because of our, you know, our little virtual crew member uh, concept here, they can't. When they when you donate and you you do your twenty dollars and your your name is on the chip, the chip flies. And when it comes back, because this is a reentry vehicle, uh, it's on the chip, and we're going to have a tour. You can go see it. It'll be permanently displayed in a, in a major science museum. You can go and see your name on the chip and know, aside from the little certificates you get, you will know that you actually did fly in space. And, and we need all the virtual crew members. You know, It's about as um, small d democratic, small g grassrootsy mm -hmm. a ship crew as you can get. That sounds awesome. I mean, I, it's, and you're absolutely right. I know so many people who have been inspired by Star Trek, 
to enter either the sciences or the arts. In fact, I'm one of those. Uh, you know, back in 1973, I attended uh, uh, Equicon, Star Trek, oh the gosh. second annual Star- old convention. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we should be having them on soon too. In fact, you really, yeah, yeah, they're locals. So, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I there were some not too many Star Trek costumes running around in those days, but there was a small group of people that did have them, and they had made their own uh, phasers and tricorders. And I looked at what they had made, and I thought. Geez, this stuff looks like crap. I can do better than that. So, <laughs> so I sharpened up my skills and I ended up doing uh, practical effects and, and visual effects for and about meeting girls. A total of uh, I don't know twenty five <laughs> years. Oops, shot one. that shot that theory all the hell there. <laughs> yeah, I met you I met, met girls. What? I met Susan because of that back he was in a uh, cute boy with a really good costume. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah, we've known each other a long time. Maybe that's uh, we're tipping our hand there as to how long. Well, see, I love that because it my one of my soapboxes is blowing this whole. I mean, I love it. I love it. I love it that it's mainstream attention. But this whole geek girls revolt. I want to go, guys. Star Trek fandom started with women, right? <laughs> yep. Kind of did. Yeah, yep. they were all after Mr. Spock. Yeah, exactly. Pretty much Spock all of them. and the Vulcans, and yeah. Yep. You Whatever know, I'm. I'm a huge activist for women's rights, and that's why I love Nichelle Nichols so much and what Star Trek oh, God, did yes. for bringing all that out. And that's just a whole other layer about Star Trek of why I love it so much, besides the technical aspect, the future inspiration, the unity. I mean, just – heck, Nichelle Nichols, the whole thing right there, just um, – yeah, that's, that's well, a and huge – And she was an inspiration to little girls everywhere, not just women of color, but all colors. Green, she was sort purple. Of the Susan our, B. Our Anthony of manager, the, Our project manager of the National Space Society, Alice Hoffman. I mean, she talks about that all the time, and being Star Trek being the inspiration of of how she became successful. Right. She has a she has a really interesting personal story that both she lost both her parents when she was young. They both oh they died That's a year so apart right. when she was 10, 11, 11, 12. Mm. and um, it was really in her case it was really Spock that. She she got it how the Vulcans were so chaotic and you know even more emotional than humans until they learned to to channel channel that and make it productive. Oh God, yes. And uh, she really she really um, used that as her model to get you know find her find her a life path and uh, and now she's a project manager where you have to stay on top of the chaos and be the calm head in the room and have all the boxes in the flowchart go. You know, yeah, so, she got to grow up to be a Vulcan. Hey, yeah, yeah. No, I mean. Um, you know what Johnny was saying there was 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 so true, and the fact that Nichelle is we we've got some early endorsers for the project to help us get the word out, and Nichelle is very much um, on our endorsing list. We've got several people. Rod Roddenberry just endorsed us. Oh yay! Um, uh, Buzz Aldrin. Uh huh. You know, and I think early on Johnny was talking about if you we have an alternate, you can add on a membership to the National Space Society, which is the oldest. You know, private organization pushing force, you know, moving into space in a practical way. The technology, the sociology of it, the, you know, trying to get us there. And it's been around since the 80s. And Gene and Majel Roddenberry, at different times, were on their board of governors too. So they came in in July, and instead of us having to set up our own legal, you know, framework, took us on as a sponsored project. And they had to vet us. And see the business plan, and, and yeah. All so that. that's 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 a great tagline to enter in somewhere for you guys. So here it is: 
So when you donate to EnterpriseInSpace.org and become a virtual crew member to have your name flown in space, your donation is tax deductible as we are part of the National Space Society, which is a nonprofit. That is awesome. That's an yes. awesome feature, actually, because it means that uh, uh, that all of the money you donate will actually go to the project, not just some to the project and some to pay taxes. Or some to somebody's pocket. This yeah. Is, is well, we have, we do have people with problem. some paid positions just because we are talking about a space mission. Here. Well, you have, we have to. You have yeah, to. Yeah. Yeah. We have yeah, to. Yeah. But you're, but nobody's, nobody's buying their, their, their third Mercedes no. on this. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. But that's, that's a good point. I mean, Johnny, and I keep forgetting to say this. It's like, I think that your, your crew membership is virtual, but your, you know, your tax deduction is real. <laughs> well, that's just in the United States, though. Uh, yeah, you've got, yeah. you've got international attention on that's, this. You've got that's international true. crew people on this, I understand. Yeah. Well, that's that's the idea is that it should represent a united, you know, it should represent the entire world just as as Star Trek, as a lot of, you know, Heinlein's and, and Asimov's future visions of what the future could be, optimistic science fiction. I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm tired of this. You know, it's the same thing in the 60s and 70s. We had a, you know, all the dystopian um, post-apocalyptic sci-fi and uh, those are good for you know adventures and and kind of you know twilight zone maybe kind of intriguing tales but if people really the, the part of the reason star trek's been so popular and engaging is because it just inspired people with, oh look we look we made we it we survived we, and we can be better than we are so look look we, what we can do if we work together yes uh, post, uh, post-apocalyptic uh, storylines are fascinating, but they're fascinating because they bring out the best and the worst in individuals. It's not so much about teamwork. It's about the development of an individual character in a hostile environment. Oh, it isn't. It isn't. Um, may I point your attention to uh, uh, Things to Come, which was a, a book by H.G. Wells and a mm-hmm. very no, noteworthy black and white science, early science fiction movie. Oh, you're yeah, quite correct. civilization right. falls, but by gosh, we we pull it together again and go to the stars. So, right. um, yeah. So there you go. <laughs> so speaking speaking <laughs> of vision, end. speaking of vision and science fiction, you mentioned that there is a design contest uh, that you are running through EnterpriseInSpace.org. dot uh, org. What are you designing? The URL again. What is it? What is being designed, and what are the criteria for the design? Yeah, Johnny, what's up with that? That's a that's another great question. You know, this is a very unique opportunity for everyone in the world. You do not have to be a rocket scientist to enter our design contest. The design contest will be the actual design of the orbiter that we fly. So people out there that are listening, you have a unique opportunity to be the first person to design the first Enterprise orbiter. And like I mentioned before, we are going to take submissions, whether they are drawings on napkins or pictures of a vessel done in AutoCAD. Um, <laughs> we want this. We want this to be something that is universal. And the design contest ends December seventh, so everyone has until December seventh to enter. Mm-hmm. Don't think Pearl Harbor Day. Think Star Trek: The Motion Picture Debut Day. Oh, that's a good. That's that's a much, good one. Much more positive view. Yeah, yeah. Yes. No, that's true. And and you know, part of the appeal, even to a lot of the professional space artists and visual effects people, and and even engineers and people, um, it's it's like, well, yeah, you've you've had your works in books or published or even on screen. 
But, you know, everybody, what would it be like to actually get to design a craft that's actually in space and actually I've doing got work? It. You want an eight-foot eight uh, vessel. Let's take an old Volkswagen Beetle, <laughs> <laughs> empty it out, just use the shell. It's already pre-made. It'll, it'll live through anything and you can like open up the bonnet or the boot to, for, for those zero, you know, vacuum experiments. This wow, would the bonnet work. and the boot. Are you, uh, revealing your, your European roots there? Well, so, no, actually I'm just, just being a, a rabid oh. Anglophile and it's hard oh, okay. to, it's hard just... to tell with a Volks because the, you know, the front motor and all that. Yeah. But the, you know, the hood and the, the, the trunk. If you prefer. And then one thing to remember with the design contest is that when you when you're designing the ship for those people out there that want to enter, um, you don't necessarily have to think about where we're putting the experiments or the aerodynamics of it because we'll be taking the winner, the concept of the winner, and working with an engineering firm to make it aerodynamic and space worthy. You know what? I'm going to uh, enter that just just to say I did. You know, and that's one thing. We don't want people to be intimidated by the ship design because it can be anything. Just take a look at enterpriseinspace.org. Take a look at our contest rules, our ship design section. It's all spelled out there for everyone. We will do that. It looks – it sounds like a – it would be fun. It sounds like it would be fun. I think I might like to try my hand at that too, just to say I entered. You know what I think you would excel at? They also had – we're looking ahead to a, a mission patch design contest as well. Oh, yeah. right. Once we have the actual – see, we're, this is just – we're kind of in a rolling launch. So this has only been going uh, – Sean had this idea three or four years ago. He's been putting the team together. Now, what's Sean's whole name? Sean Case. Okay. Sean Case. Okay. He lives in, uh, in Oregon. He's a uh, web professional, webmaster, IT designer – and uh, he, one by one, was just, you know, I say just a fan, but there's lots of people who are just, the President of the United States is just a fan. But, you know, um, he's the person who started reaching out to people in the sci-fi world, in visual effects, in the real NASA world, in aerospace, and gradually got people excited about this idea. This, you know, what a great way to honor everyone's inspired science fiction that, that inspired everybody in whatever aspect of life they're in. And then to turn around and give back a little something to the next generation. And it just, so it just turn people on. And what's, what's interesting is he, you know, I've only known about it for about nine, about a year ago, he asked me to be on their board. And then about six months ago, he asked me to come in and be a, you know, be a, a, a promoter mm-hmm. on the con circuit and, and in talking like with you all, um, and getting all these guys, uh, you know, kind of being a doorway to get people out and get some of the celebrities to help us spread the word. But, um, uh, it, 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 there are people jumping aboard all the time just because they're in love with the idea. It's just uh, – it's there. And what's ironic is in the last two or three years, there have been some other um, aspects of this and other programs that are – that are have similar tenets to it, but none that has all of this – None that has all the pieces you do. Yeah. you got a lot of jets behind you here with, with the uh, – Yeah. The endorsements from, from space professionals and the uh, – uh, National Space Society. Yeah, but we still need everybody to jump happen. aboard and be our. Now, here's the other thing that appealed to me, totally apart from the fly in space thing. I just love the fact, and I I deal with creative people. I, I I was an actor in Star Trek Continues. I have friends who are doing some of the other fan films like Axanar and Farragut and Fifth Passenger. There's a lot of creative things going on out there, and a lot of Kickstarter and Indiegogo. Ooh, Fifth Passenger. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and Hidden Frontier. My, this, sorry? And Hidden Frontier, that would be me. Yes, Hidden Frontier. Oh, I, there you go. Um, <laughs> but there is a part of me that feels sometimes like we're all – I mean there's been successes, and that's great. Space Command, I should do a shout-out for Mark Zickery. But there, there's a piece of me that wonders if the world is getting a little – Kickstarter weary, not to knock anybody at all, mm-hmm. but it's just kind of where we are. The yeah. cool thing that Sean wants to do is not use a framework like Kickstarter or Indiegogo. It's just a simple, like you heard Johnny say, it's just a simple, hey, send $20, you're a virtual crew member, you have your certificate, and your name flies. Now, we, we may well, you're also not later on. You're yeah, also not paying the – No bureaucracy, no ticking clock, no pressure, no you know NPR, <laughs> PBS tote bag. Versus the DVD, Blu-ray, you know, mm-hmm. all that kind of pressure and sale, selling. It's just, hey, come aboard. Now, you can give more than that, obviously, and a lot of people have, and we wouldn't stop you. But it's we're just trying to be very, you know, across the board to, the to hey, everybody get in and get vested and everybody fly with us. Let's all go. Share yeah, the that's, dream. That's – I love the idea. I really love the idea. Now, how um, – uh, it's sort of a rolling project, you know, as, as you mentioned. Uh, do you see this thing actually getting off the ground in, say, three or four years? Yeah, we are on a four-year mission. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. I, that's what I assumed. You know, th- uh, Just sort of taking stock of where you were and what you were trying to accomplish and what you were trying to do it with, I figured it, you probably had it projected out for about four years. So, I'm Well, glad I'm glad to, I'm, I am heartened to hear, you know, you mentioned you Aiming at having SpaceX involved. They, they seem to be building the best boosters. You know, they are our preferred launch vehicle. And there would be nothing more exciting to be involved with SpaceX. Yeah. That's, yeah. And, and the, well, and the there, talks, there's another. The, the talks have been there. It's, another it's, possibility is if it's you're. Planned, it's technically planned for late 2018, 2019. Uh-huh. We would be the secondary payload on us. So there'd be another payload in us. Probably a bigger one, more expensive, and then us on the same rocket. So partly it would depend on their their launch dates. Have you thought that's, about that's a lighter than air lift to get you up into uh, near Earth orbit and then jetting up the rest of the way? Uh, that's that was all decided before I got aboard. But I would just say that this is just simple, proven technology. Or why? Why, why are you, you? Well, just because uh, it, if yeah. if you're looking for a cheap way to get into space, it's probably it. About a balloon. Yeah. Well, I, I do know that like Elon, <laughs> Sean talks about Elon oh, Musk no. trying to get the cost down. It may it may be a little cheaper to go by the time four years passes by. You know, the reason we're not going to be launching by balloon is because we <laughs> want to put this into a high enough orbit to where we'll be able to man- maintain it for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and that way we'll also be able to control the reentry. We don't want to be in such a low orbit to have too many variables. We want to be able to control this completely. Um, and so that's one reason we're not launching by balloon is because we'll have to get a little bit higher than that would take. Well, I just uh, uh, using a balloon would get you up the first leg, and then after that, and then you'd a booster have to, from you'd there. have to boost from there. But uh, the the biggest expense in any spacecraft is jumping out of the gravity well, mm-hmm. and if you can get up into near space in a balloon, say uh, thirty five miles. You know, you've knocked out a lot of your fuel requirement. I wish we could just use Scotty's transporter. Oh, and no. just, oh, <laughs> transport me to work. <laughs> well, and, Scotty, and beat me to my this, desk. But, 
but it's also you know, and we're not we're not going up for well, we'll stay up there and monitor everybody's projects until it burns up. You know, thirty years. Right, from now. right. It's it's, it's going to reenter. So one thing, and it has to be it has to do it in not one piece. To the space junk problem. Right, you know? and it's got to it's got to come back in one piece as well. Right, because otherwise, you know, what's the point of sending up the projects? Right. Well, yeah. it would alter the nature be... of the projects you'd send. I mean, there'd be a point, but they would be different. A different point. Right. Yeah, right. it'd be sending back data, and you wouldn't be able to retrieve any samples or, you know, any right. anything specific, uh, uh, physical. And I and you know, Lynn Zelinsky, our superstar <laughs> educator chief, is not here to talk about this. So we should mention that she and her team have some. She's got so many incredible awards she's basically like the two times there's an award there's a name for it but she's basically like the only person who's ever won basically it's nasa's science teacher of the year award it has a name but she's the only person who's ever won that twice oh my god she's won a presidential science award no she's and like i said she's overseen student projects on shuttles uh, she hasn't been a shuttle astronaut. I thought that meant she'd been a shuttle astronaut. She wished. She was in the teacher in space program. She was a, a state finalist for that. But uh-huh. no, she's done that. She's seen uh, student projects overseen for suborbital missions. Uh, she's been on the Vomit Comet plane. <laughs> Has a uh-huh. real name. Johnny, do you remember what the real name for the Vomit Comet is? Is Johnny still there? <laughs> <laughs> Johnny. That's okay. I, you know what I'm talking about, the trainer where they take you up in the nearest, as, as, as close to space as a, a regular plane can get, so you get a little bit of zero G for a few seconds, and they train the astronauts on that. She's been on that, but she's, she's, uh, incredible, and it's not just running the science experiment competition, it's, they're gonna have an outreach program for teachers, they're gonna prepare curriculum mm-hmm. materials, they're trying to get the first wave started by next spring, so they can uh, get out through the teacher networks, the science educators. And and she would also say that it's not just the science geek kids. They're really going with STEAM, uh, which is not just STEM, the science, technology, mm-hmm. engineering, and math, but science, technology, engineering, arts, and math. I'm what sorry. You that? said vomit comment, and I had flashbacks. <laughs> oh. Uh, I, would, I would rather call it the reduced gravity aircraft. Just to there let you go. Um, you know, no, it, it's, you know, it's, yeah. um, the C-131 Samaritan. It's, um, thank you. Yeah. Lynn is, you know, she's one of the most well-recognized educators in the space community. And that's just, that's just one of the, there's so much to take in with the Enterprise and Space Project. There's just awesomeness all over the place. But the education factor is really strong. And again, that's one thing that attracted to me to the Enterprise and Space was the education aspect. Um, because it's before launch, during launch, after launch, when it re-enters, education takes full presence during this. So, you know, Lynn, Lynn is amazing, but yes, reduced gravity aircraft. Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. Oh, yes. You, you sound like you speak from personal experience. Uh, <laughs> Well, Johnny's right there at Houston. I got, I, it's, you know, this team is all over the place. Like I said, we have two that are down in, in Chile. Johnny's in Houston. I'm in LA. Sean is in Oregon. We have people in around Chicago. Uh, Fred is in Indianapolis. We've got, you know, just all over the place. And, uh, we're reaching out to people around the world. And then through the National Space Society, we're getting our, you know, speakers and local, 
experts set up that are connected to all the different chapters, whether they're state chapters or, you know, large enough to have more than one in a state. So we're hoping to get the outreach up. I'm, I'm talking at conventions and, uh, you know, people are going to science develop. The NSS ha- every year has a, has a conference called the International Space Development Conference, which is, again, it's about practical technology, practical people moving <laughs> us into a space future, you know, on all different fronts. And I got to meet some of the some of our board, uh, Lynn and Alice, at the one in L.A. And next year it's going to be in Toronto. It's always in May, apparently. And uh, this, you know, I I've lived like my Trekland brand. I've lived with Star Trek and, and all this for ages. But I was a NASA kid before I was a Trek fan when I was a kid. And this has kind of brought me full circle back around to feeling like I'm I'm you know Star Trek's always been great for NASA, but I feel like I'm really doing something real world here again. You know, it's, it's a little bit you're of You're giving back to space. You know, yeah, space yeah. made your life. It's kind of like I, I, I have pointed out about Leonard Nimoy endowing the, uh, the refurbishment of the uh, Griffith Park uh, Observatory. Mm-hmm. He, space made him a rich man, so he gave back to space. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Educated future <laughs> educations, uh, 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 generations. And catchy name he put on his theater, huh? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, how about that? A nice alien name like Nimoy. <laughs> no, no. I mean, he named it the Event Horizon Theater. He did. Did he? Yes, he did. It's the yes. Event Horizon oh, well, Theater. I'm which digging is that. The, uh, name of your show. show right? Same as our yeah. show. Ah, see, I was thinking. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So the URL is again enterpriseinspace.org if you want to find out more about the project or become a virtual crewman. That's the place you need to go. And for $20, you can participate in the project, have your name sent to space, and there is a spacecraft design contest being run at the same URL. Uh, uh, our guests this evening have been Larry Nemechek and Johnny Steverson, and uh, we have been very pleased to have you with us on the Event Horizon this evening. We'll have you back for some of your future projects. And oh, thank you. Thank you for having us on. Yes, thank you. You know, um, Larry, and I, Larry and I both being uh, space kids, we'll have to share the story about we both got a VIP tour for NASA for Enterprise in Space, and we got to get in the shuttle simulator, and that was pretty cool. That's cool. Oh, you want to hear, you want to hear a good one? Sure, I actually it. built a replica of the space shuttle. He was working with I was the, working the with prop a, shop uh, that yeah, built uh, the scale Brick model. Price Brick Price Movie Miniatures made a replica of the space shuttle Challenger for a space seer in Osaka, Japan in 1983. And I was the guy who designed the electronics. Wow, that's very for awesome. The, for the you entire think, Yeah, they had the electronic wires laid out the whole length of the building so you could see how the wires went through the cargo bay. Let's just say after we crawled through those small spaces and Larry climbed up into the captain's chair and co-pilot's chair with me, um, I just gained a, even more respect for the astronauts when we went through that experience. That is just um, – it was an amazing piece of technology that they were able to fly to space and it just – it makes me love it even more. Yeah, right. It, and it reminds you that you know you can have an idea, and that's what our program managers, Alice and and, and Buck Field. I don't think I mentioned his name. Um, it's like this: people that go, "Oh my God, you're going to fly! This is forty million dollars. You're going to fly this, and it's private." And it's like any of these projects. These people, um, Alice, uh, she oversaw the 
what, $6.8 billion or $6.2 billion uh, expansion of O'Hare Airport at Chicago. That was her project. Wow. Uh, the the modern, modernization of Soldier Field in Chicago. Uh, and Buck Good. was responsible for the initial e-commerce for the Citibank website when e-commerce was getting set up. Good so we've got people heavens. that have – yeah, you got some high got some projects. Yeah, yeah, we have an amazing, amazing team here at Enterprise in Space. So if you go to the website, definitely check out the About Us section and check out our team members. They could actually right. do this. Good heavens, right. Susan. But it all depends this, on this our This really crew, is rocket surgery. Yeah, like I said, it's, it's not some kind of stunt. We can actually do this, and it's an amazing project to support. Yeah, That's, we, this do, is we do awesome. need our virtual crew, though, to jump aboard. All right. Thank you once again, Larry Nemechek. And Johnny Steverson for joining us on the Event Horizon here on Krypton Radio. It's been a pleasure having you both with us. Well, thank you. You have just heard Episode 77 of Krypton Radio's weekly production of The Event Horizon for November 8, 2014. We have been discussing the Enterprise in Space project with our guests Larry Nemechek and Johnny Steverson. To find out more about it, visit enterpriseinspace.org. Your hosts have been Krypton Radio Station Manager Gene Turnbow and our executive producer Susan Fox. This episode will air again on November 8, 2014 at 4 p.m. Pacific and at various additional times throughout the coming week. See the Krypton Radio website at kryptonradio.com for showtimes in your area. Once all the airtimes have passed, you will find this episode and others as downloads at the Krypton Radio website and on iTunes and Stitcher as podcasts. The Event Horizon title sequence was written and produced by Gene Turnbow. The science officer was Mark Schurmeister. The engineer was Christian B. McGuire. The navigator was Christine Cherry. And the captain was voiced by legendary science fiction writer Larry Niven. This program and its contents, except where provided by others, are copyright 2014 by Krypton Media Group Incorporated. The Event Horizon. It's sci-fi for your Wi-Fi.